Okay, we are live. We live? We going live? Everything's rolling. Okay. Good morning. Good morning, Levi Higgs. Talking to that mic this time. I know. Last time, last podcast was very raw. You didn't need the stand. Well, I kind of want the stand. I kind of want to hold the stand. Okay. Um, Last podcast was extremely raw. And, you know, like we said at the end, we're going to get better at this. And uh, so far, so good. Last time it took us how long to set this up? Uh, 30, 40 minutes. This time it took maybe... 10, 15? 10, 15. We're getting there. We're getting there. This week's book was The Art of Loving. The Art of Loving. Same book. Same cover. Pretty enough. In a nice little peach color. How'd we get here? How'd we get to The Art of Loving? Um, yeah, so last week's book, or I guess two weeks ago, that book was A Bright Ray of Darkness by Ethan Hawke. So we were talking a lot about love, and then I think we kind of discovered that we're not experts on love, so it felt a little silly. Right, right. But who is, honestly? Yeah, I don't know. As I was reading this book, the other problem is, definitely, and as I was reading this book, I was learning more and more that I have had no idea what love is. Yeah. I might have an inkling of knowledge about love now but i don't know it's a very dense book like you said yeah I, I didn't it's not dense in that it's like hard right right but it is dense in that it's like i feel like i need to read it again mm-hmm. and like that's what i was kind of telling uh kelly my girlfriend that i was reading it i was like actually i think I, this is something that you kind of need to revisit and think about for sure more and more yeah um I had that same kind of, we said, let's, let's say, you said that it was dense maybe a few days ago to me, mm-hmm. and before I'd really dove into it, and kind of like what you just said, as it is kind of dense, but not that it's too difficult to read. Right. It's, I think anybody could pick it up and understand it, but every sentence, every paragraph is just very stimulating. Like, it's one of those books that you read something and you're like, whoa, that kind of clicks, that kind of connects the dots. I think I need to reread that, Mm -hmm. you know, just to really fully grasp it. And it is a book that you could go back to at least two, three, four times throughout your life, I feel like. Yeah, and I think, like, making notes in it as well. Um, A lot of the things that I thought were cool were just kind of, like, these quotes, like little snippets and Easter eggs of, like, this is is Instagrammable, like, Mm. this quote is nice, this quote is nice. For sure. You're a big writer in your books, aren't you? You like to take notes and underline. What, like, I I can't bring myself to do that. Yeah, I just just treat them like the filthy beasts they are. (laughs) 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 I don't know, like, there's something about, like, just marking them all up and then revisiting them, like, after I totally forgot about the book and then, like, looking at it and seeing all the underlines and seeing all the brackets and Mm -hmm. seeing the little things and kind of, like, because that's how I can look at it and be like, okay, it's this person talking, but then it's me talking to this person and now it's me talking to this person and, like, talking to me now. Mm -hmm. And, like, having that kind of, like, interaction with the book is... Um, I think really, really valuable, but it was like, you know, my teachers made me do it. And then once I started doing it, it's like, I'd be reading something and like, I'd read something really awesome and I'd just be like frustrated that I couldn't, didn't have a pencil. And so I just, yeah. Do you ever write a summary after you read a book? Um, only in one book have I done that. Mm Um, why not? That's what I, that's what I do. Instead of like putting, you know, lines or notations, you know, highlighting things in a book, 
I usually like to go after I read a book and open up Word, type a little mm. uh, summary about it, how I felt about it. And then I also, I usually do this, I didn't do that for this for this book. I'll use note cards for bookmarks. Mm -hmm. And then I'll write down like quotes or I'll be like, hey Paige, whatever, read, read this and stuff like that. Mm. Yeah, I, I've never really done that, like a book journal type thing. Um, but I think it's definitely worthwhile. I know one thing that's really cool about having like a Kindle is like you can highlight certain sections or something and it uploads it automatically to the internet yeah that and is like, definitely a big benefit of the kindle right yeah and it shows to... passages that like multiple people have uploaded and so it's like when you start coming up on like a really popular passage it lets you know about it and then like you can kind of reference like other people's thoughts on it and stuff yeah too. does it have like other people's notes that they've written mm, about the line i or? think on the, like it's cool. linked with goodreads uh the website so mm. i don't know uh but anyway, I'm curious to hear what you thought about this. We didn't do a very good job last time of like doing a synopsis of the book. We were kind of just like, yeah, this character was weird and that character. <laughs> like, so, um, um, this book covers a lot, right? I mean, it covered love with your mother, love with your brother, obviously love with your sig off. Um, it covered <laughs> economics. It covered uh, the Bible and religion and... A relationship with God. There's just a lot packed in there. Um, like I said, I feel like I didn't know much about love before this book. Yeah. You know? It, I think, so like, let's see, the first part of the book is about theorizing love, right? Yeah, so like, I think it, maybe it would be helpful if we like looked at the sections and kind of just talked about them one off. So like the first fun. section... Is, is love and art. Um, what a great start to the book. That was like, that was really cool. Um, sort of the premise there for me at least was like how he was talking about like most people uh, live out their love life just wanting to be loved and like setting themselves up to like for men to be successful so that someone will love them and for women to be beautiful or successful so that someone will love them. So success in any sort of like materialistic, worldly way, so that they can get love. Mm -hmm. And he never thinks, he says that no one ever thinks about actually like doing the practice or the art of love. Yeah, and, and that's, it is a practice, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. I mean, you have, to, you have to practice love. You have to practice loving others and loving yourself. And he, he definitely breaks that down at the beginning and explains it in a very, um, very just like, way that's understandable palatable and you're like oh yeah i guess it is kind of a art yeah <laughs> yeah because he, he makes it seem like it's a really passive thing like you find the person and once you find the person like you're in love and like then the the emotion that it is is just going to carry you throughout time mm -hmm. and like i think like deep down we obviously know that's not true mm -hmm. but like none of us want to confront the realities of like how hard love can be you know and so i think that was like a really good preface of like um, for me, at least, you know, this is this is what, you know, popular society thinks love is, and then this is kind of like some more truisms about what it what it could be and what it actually is. For sure, I mean, because it's like I feel like in our society we see love as kind of like transactional. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's like, what can this person give for me? Really? I mean, you might not think about it in that way because that's very kind of narcissistic right so it's like something you're collecting but nonetheless you know people date others for 
their clout, they date others for, um, you know, their success in life, whatever they have to offer you, you know, mm -hmm. and that love never lasts, you know, yeah. it, it never does, like, you can, because then you're always going to want something more, something upgraded. Yeah, and similarly to that is, like, um, like for people who date someone who's very, um, very similar to them, I think this is later on in the book, where he talks about how that they create like a super, a super individual, mm -hmm. and so so basically what it was about was like, um, motherly love is two people that are one becoming separate, and um, erotic or exotic love is two separate people becoming one, mm -hmm. and um, one of the types of relationships that he talks about is two separate people just kind of building. Uh, a oneness against all others mm -hmm. like a super kind of like ego I don't I can't remember what word it's like Latin like uh, the anyway um, point being is it's like uh, in their separateness um, they're not really loving each other they're just kind of like uh, creating more of a, a solidarity within themselves mm -hmm. um, basically yeah, what I'm trying to say is like I really like the part where he was talking about like, because I love you, I love all mankind. And it's like, if you can't, if it's, if you're in a relationship, if you're doing something where it's like, I love you and no one else, um, that's not like operative love. Like, that's not. Not at all. Yeah. That's not sustaining. Yeah. So it's like, I really, really liked his bits about that um, later on in the book. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can't stand the myth. I tell this to people all the time. I'm like, you don't date opposites. You do date opposites, but opposites don't attract. Mm. That's such a myth in, in like society. Because that's not going to last, you know? Like, if I dated somebody that's just completely opposite of me, I'm going to maybe like the excitement and the stimulation of it at the forefront, but eventually I'm going to get very aggravated and annoyed with that person. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, like, you, you date people, really, what Freud said, you date people that are like your parents. You date people that you are familiar with and share the same types of passions with. I mean... Well, that's weird that you would uh, bring up Freud because it seems like he spends like the entire book saying like Freud was wrong, but also let me reference all the terms he came up with. <laughs> right. I was, that's what was weird yeah. to me is like he would continually talk about Freud and then he would just be like, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong, but also we can't deny that like the basis <laughs> of his argument right. has some like merit. Yeah. Um, I thought that was interesting. A lot of psychologists and philosophers in like the at least the early 20th century, always used Freud as like a jumpstart or like, you know, a springboard. Mm -hmm. And then they're kind of like, he's wrong, but like, I don't really know how he's wrong, <laughs> but he is wrong. Yeah. Well, basically he, basically he says he's wrong in that Freud, um, you know, kind of makes everything about the sexual instinct mm -hmm. and about masculinity in that way. Mm. Um, and he, he sort of touches upon, Eric Fromm sort of touch upon, touches upon, like, a spirituality and, like, the oneness of love. Um, so I guess that was kind of, like, the main difference that he always had to kind of weed through before getting to his point. Right. Um, but, like, going back to what you were saying earlier about how, like, we find someone that's like our mother or like our father or something like that. I think that was a lot of, like, um, like, he said that, that you can do that and you can do fine in that way. But it was something about like becoming socially adjusted, 
where it's not like you're a f you're not fully loving to the max capacity that like one can love, mm -hmm. but really you found a partner who's just kind of like, you know, you complement each other nicely based off of your like own individual neuroses. Right. Yeah. Speaking to that, <clears throat> he talks about, and this is a very deep concept, and I'm not even sure I've fully have fleshed it out, but he talks about how eventually to be lovable and to find love in someone you need to become your mother and your father and the love that your mother yeah. and your father have and shown you you need to be both of those I thought it was and awesome. yeah very deep concept that's definitely one of those uh sections that you need to read and then read again and then probably wait a little bit and read it again yeah no, I totally agree. That was, that was like, there were so many, like, gut punches in this book where mm -hmm. I was just kind of like, oh, like, especially like, oh, is that me? Like, oh, and like, I can think about people as like, I did, like, I was exactly that. And like, kind of pointing out a lot of like the flaws or the, the, the pitfalls. But I especially um, like that point as well, where it was, you know, it's talking about the motherly love and how that's unconditional. And then the fatherly love is more like instructive and you have to earn it. Yeah, and, it's reward um, and punishment, it's mm -hmm. conditioning type love, and you have to be able to master both forms, mm -hmm. yeah, for proper balance. And it and it makes sense too. It's yeah. like you have to learn how to like take care of yourself and like be on your own in the world. But for something about like to explicitly say like you have to like cultivate the mother and father inside of yourself, um, I think that was like really kind of um, that was really touching. And like mm -hmm. I think you hear that a lot with you know, people who talk about, like, who have had parents who've passed away or something like that is, like, um, they're almost forced into that position a little bit. Yes. Or, Before they mm, need to. Yeah. yeah. And so it's, like, that, I found that interesting as well, that, like, you can kind of do that prior to when those, those, those parents actually leave you. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it kind of goes with the same theme that Jordan Peterson's always bringing up about chaos and order. Mm -hmm. And you need a bit of both, but you need to have them both balance you need to be aware mm -hmm. of both and yeah it's the chaos and order it's the liberalism versus conservative yeah. conservatism it's it's all that well i thought i thought about like what peterson talks about in um sort of towards the end of the book where he's, he's talking about practicing love uh those three uh kind of like um that's what i'm looking for like axioms of like what to do like uh concentrating Discipline, discipline, concentration, and patience. Mm -hmm. um, when he was talking about the concentration one, uh, that really made me think of Peterson and kind of just like really taking seriously every ordinary task that you do. Like even because you need to. I yeah. mean, you can't just be lazy. You can't just be out here, you know, doing stuff without real purpose. Yeah, but like even the way that he talks about laziness is very interesting and this guy that was a gut punch too yeah this guy obviously is kind of like communist and like leans more towards eastern collectivism yeah. which is which is fine um but like what i was going to say is even this morning like i woke up and i was waiting for you to get here and i was just on you know sitting on the steps and eating a banana and like i was checking my phone and like kind of thinking about like a uh, stock market and like all those other things <laughs> and like work and then i was just kind of like why don't i just concentrate on like you know, being here and like eating this banana, and I swear to God, like as soon I just took a bite of the banana, and it's like I all my ears opened, I could hear the birds, and then the sun peeked up, and it just like fell mm -hmm. on me, and I was just like, oh man, like this is what he was talking about, just to kind of like be alive and like that concept of um, in love with God, 
is like being in love with the moment and being in love and like I don't know it kind of like to actually practice that um, concentration and that patience and everything really is rewarding for sure yeah there's a fun study that I like to reference every now and then it's like um, they've done a study on people that ate food same food uh, ate, there's one group that ate the same or ate some food without their phones around and then there was another group that ate food that and they were allowed to have their phones and the people that had their phones consistently rated their food less enjoyable less pleasurable less tasteful than the group that didn't have their phone mm. around them and eating I can see that. So it's a fun little experiment, and, you know, it's, it definitely rings true. Like, you know, if you're eating food and you're thinking about your food, digesting food, I mean, half of our um, pleasure out of food comes from the smell of it, right? Mm. The sight of it, you know, if it looks good. You don't want to eat food that's brown. It could be the best-tasting food in the world, but if it's, like, brown or black, mushy-looking, you're not going to like that. You're going to be like, ooh. Mm. So, yeah, it just goes to... On, on the flip side, on the to flip play side. devil's advocate, I remember distinctly, like, having, like, a burger at some fast food place, and, like, the moment I, like, stopped using my phone and I thought about the food, I was just kind of like, this is just, like, mush. Like, <laughs> what am I eating? <laughs> <laughs> on the flip side, though, sometimes that phone helps it go down. Yeah, true. Because it's, like, you're mindlessly just eating. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I have a bad habit of, like, eating and driving on my breaks at work mm. and sometimes like you said I guess that can be beneficial because some of the food choices might not yeah. be that good I do remember like, ah. you're, you're a very good <laughs> knee driver oh the best knee driver yeah <laughs> and I'm, I'm a textbook that person that will get to a place and be like I don't remember the past 20 minutes of driving yeah 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 <laughs> Uh, anyway, so what's the next section? So the first section was about... We, we've hopped around a bit, but I do find this instructive to kind of go back and look at. The first section was about, is love an art? Which mm. we found out. Yes, love is in fact an art that you need to practice and master. The second section is uh, the theory of love. Theory of love, and that's where you get into the whole... Uh, the problem of human existence, separateness... Um, parent and child and the objects of love so the objects of love what we were talking about earlier is the brotherly love which is love that you have not just with brothers but with commonly men yeah with yeah, equals somebody you see is equal motherly love exotic love self-love and love of god what did you think about the self-love section um refresh my memory a little bit on that um he was talking it's sort of like what we were talking about earlier where it's like you have to be able to love yourself in order to love anyone else yeah. And um, I guess particularly what I'm asking is what did you think about the the um, the difference between, like, self-love and, like, kind of what's commonly known as, like, selfishness or, like, mm -hmm. um, like being vain? I think I've, yeah, reading that part in the book um, really kind of cleared up some of the thoughts, the negative thoughts I have about the idea of self-love mm -hmm. in 2021. Because I feel like so many people nowadays just love spouting that out. You gotta self-care. You gotta self-love. Yeah. And while that is very true, I think people our age are getting that confused with being lazy 24-7. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. When people are like, oh, I work 40 hours, and so now on my day off, I'm just gonna self-care and just like watch TV all day, or mm -hmm. I'm gonna play video games all day. Like, no, you need to be productive. You need to work for that leisure, 
and yeah, they're. I mean, I, yeah, I, that that's really frustrating for me. I hear what you're saying. Like, I was actually kind of thinking kind of the opposite, where I was like, you know, like you know, I'm like getting sober and like I'm trying to stay really busy, and like I'm almost too extremely busy to where like I, I was reading that section and he was talking about, um, you know people like being productive and people talking doing self-love and um i think i'm definitely in the thing where it's like if it if i don't like the way that it feels like that's a good thing because i'm like being productive <laughs> and then like when but I was, he says in the book like um <laughs> no that's kind of like a a myth in itself yeah. it's like you shouldn't just be well, out here putting yourself yeah here, here's the cool i think it's let me see if i can think of the line um, he said that the actual selfish person doesn't love themselves at all because they are trying to take from the world what they can't give to themselves. Mm -hmm. So it's like someone who is, um, I don't know what's something selfish, like someone who's taking the only blanket, um, from everyone else and cutting people off in traffic, cutting people off in traffic. It means that they can't even give themselves like the contentedness to like sit in their own situation mm -hmm. and be, and be with themselves and to love themselves without using something from the outside world to comfort them. Yeah. And so actually the people who are the most selfish are the people who um, do not love themselves. Um, and that, that wasn't really what I was talking about earlier with like the productivity thing up. What I was talking about earlier was like, <laughs> like I'm having a terrible time like um uh like falling asleep and like he talks about like the faith to have just like fall asleep and to like do certain things and to like just like when I'm just sitting there eating a banana and not to be on my phone or not to be doing something else just to like be Indeed. and like that kind of um just kind of like I was like oh I should just have a day just like shutting off everything and like just a day of nothingness mm -hmm. where it's like not even where I want to catch up on a show or a book or anything but just like kind of a day of nothingness. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, that's not necessarily what I was targeting and attacking. Mm -hmm. I, I, yeah, that's, you put a lot of stuff on your plate. Yeah. And so there's a point where you get to deserve that reward, but you have to deserve it. You right. And I think saying? what you were talking about was kind of like, it links better with like the selfishness thing where it's like, I'm going to self care. And it's like, so they like play video games and smoke weed all day. Yeah. It's like, that's different than like, you know, like taking time. That's, to, that's taking something from the world and being selfish still. Yeah. And I, I thought that was just an interesting take on that because you don't hear that very often. Mm -mm. Um, well, when do we ever hear stuff that we don't want to hear? Oh, I, don't, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Eric <laughs> Yeah. Well, what did you think, like, because you, you, you're a psychology major, so like, what did you think about more of like the psychological like analysis? Because it's like, there was a lot of, you know, I look at my notes in the book and I'm underlining like the only things that are flowery flowery you know like and kind of poetic like this is a nice quote or something like that but there's a lot of it that's really analytical and stuff like um early on about like uh like orgiastic uh love and unity and then like yeah. later on Freud and then like later on a lot of that language is super like early 20th century language mm -hmm. so uh, <laughs> it's a little bit harder to decipher um, especially for the layman, um, I don't really get into too much psychoanalytical stuff just because it, there's not really a way to quantify it. Mm. You know, that's why a lot of Freud's theories have, um, been disassembled and kind of put to the wayside is because 
I mean, there's really no substance. It's hard, it's hard to measure the substance that is actually there. I yeah. wouldn't say that there is no substance to Freud and Fromm stuff. But yeah, I mean, there's something to it, but at the same time, it's subjective to everybody. Yeah. So it's hard to really distinguish and discuss. And Yeah, with yeah. regards to Freud, it's almost like he just like pushed a huge like boulder of thought out into the world. Oh, yeah. I mean, everyone, really helpful, in, yeah. everyone came in with like pick, you yeah. know, like chisels and they're like, I'm going to make it this and mm -hmm. I'm going to make it this. And it's like, Freud's like, well, I just gave you the huge boulder. Like, yeah, was well, definitely yeah. thank him and he is the father of psychology, I would say, but he got a lot of stuff wrong. But I mean, he came like there's nothing before him, really. As far yeah. as, I mean, there's philosophy, which I guess is a precursor to psychology, but I would say actually Eric Fromm is more of a philosopher than any like type of psychologist. I definitely saw way more philosophy, I felt like, than... Yeah, well, I think one of the cool things that he said was something like, the logical conclusion of psychology is love. Mm -hmm. And then there was another one that was like the logical conclusion of blah 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 is this and I can't remember what that was But it was a really good like he tied those two thoughts together um, But the logical conclusion of psychology uh, is love is was something that I kind of like I like picked out because I was um, You know when you do kind of think about any like neurosis or any kind of thing You know they always say that it's fear or love right fear or love fear mm -hmm. or love And just like if you can always end up on that love space it's like you've kind of figured it out but even with that stuff, like, how do you measure love? I don't know. <laughs> you like, know what I'm like it's, it's, hard to, it's hard to measure psychoanalytical um, terms and stuff like that and theories is because it is so hard to measure. Like, how do you measure the fear of love? How, like, how do you measure uh, the psychology of love? You know, it's, it's just very yeah. difficult. Well, I know. Like, I, I, I tend to um, get a lot of my psychological theories from, like, behaviorism. Because I feel like, um, especially with the advancements of technology, that we're all like kind of like young and stuff. No, he's more psychoanalytical behavior that was like, like Skinner, yeah, Skinner and Pavlov mm -hmm. and stuff like that. So, a lot of my ideas come from like, like I said, with the advancement of technology. I feel like we're all just kind of running on um, zeros and ones. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like a lot of our stuff is like a lot of our behavior and stuff is predictable. And so when you start talking about things that couldn't be random mm -hmm. in the universe like love it's just hard for me to really accept it i guess yeah well do you think that eric from saying that love is random for sure i think so oh, because, really because i would say he's saying that because like finding love yeah i mean he gave us that the outline about how to find love right you have to be lovable you have to you know be your mother and your father but I don't and think like like he did in my perspective at least not to cut you off but like I didn't think that he was saying like love is something you find it's like like do you find running you know it's like it's just something that you do and so it's like you know that's how I kind of read it was like you don't just like all of a sudden find yourself running it's like it's something that you just do and you can work towards and get better at yeah it's, it's, it's something you practice I guess I just use the word find love, or the phrase find love because that's what we're so accustomed to. So, uh, uh, sorry, uh, <laughs> my bad. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of ideas of love that I feel like we all get wrong and we say the wrong thing when oh, we're yeah. discussing love and whatnot. Well, that, that's, that's another thing that's uh, interesting when he's in the, the section that's almost the, one of the longer sections is the love with God. 
because mm-hmm. it, it, it does try to like figure out like that mystic quality of love and he goes through um sort of like mankind's relationship with god and like the stages that we might be in and i thought that was a really good section for like you know just like i said demystifying what love is and figuring out like you know, it was funny to me to see, like, different sections of my own life where I was mm-hmm. in those stages. Did you feel like uh, at any point in life you were you thought you had already conquered, like, one stage of love? And like, I, I understand what he's saying. Like, of course. Oh, for sure. There was plenty of times while reading it that I was like, oh, I've been there. Oh, yeah. I noticed that. But I also, this is kind of maybe upsetting to say, but not really. Um, I feel like after reading this book, I've never been in love. Hmm. I feel like I feel like before I read this book, I would have said that I had been in love once with one woman. Um, but after reading this book, you know, knowing that love is something that you takes concentration, you have to care for it, you have to practice at it, you have to be one with them. Yeah. Um, I realized that the love that I thought I had with this woman, uh was actually way one-sided. Yeah. It was more of what he says is falling in love mm-hmm. than actually, like, being in love. Well, I think... Well, also what he's saying is, like, being in love is... It makes it seem like a passive thing. So it's like... I think, like... And I'm not trying to speak for him, but, like, it seems like the phraseology he would use is, like, you're not in love, but I've never loved. Because, like, you know... And that was another one of my favorite kind of quotes to pull out was um you know you are loved by loving so it's like you you instead of saying like oh i've never been in love because i was thinking the same thing too or i was like have i been in love like am i in love now like but really like that's just it's dependent upon like am i loving mm-hmm. so it's like if someone's ever like i've never i've never fallen in love it's like have they ever really taken the leap to love someone right because it's like it's almost it, you know to me it seems like by virtue of loving you are loved, mm-hmm. right? And so, like, that's that was something that was kind of, like, one other gut punch where I was just like, oh, okay, it's like, I've never opened myself up fully to to receive that. And I mm-hmm. think, um, you know, not to go too much into, like, the sex bits, because it does talk a lot about kind of sex, but, like... Um, you can go into the sex bits. I love some bits of sex. Right, 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 right. But I'm going to have to listen to this later. <laughs> I have to listen to this later. <laughs> I have to listen to it later, too. You know, it could be a little cringe. Okay, well, I'll ask you a question then. So what did you think about the sex the sex bits, where it was like um, com- like the common pitfalls of um, people's sexual relationships? I think the biggest takeaway I got from him in this book, talking about sex, was the realization of why sex can be so addicting because we all want to be together we all want to be one with somebody Mm. and sex can be so addicting because for a brief moment some moments briefer than others (laughs) uh, (laughs) bridges sex bridges the gap uh, between two people. It, it brings two yeah. people together for a very short moment, and that moment, if you're not like in love with that person, can be very fleeting, you know? Yeah. And so that was probably my biggest takeaway from his uh, discussion on sex. Well, and then going back to what you were talking about, how we're all zeros and ones and stuff, um, he talks about like there's entire marriages that have been predicated upon like, um, like 
technically servicing and maintenancing and being polite to their partner yeah. without truly like being together and being one. Mm -hmm. So it's like he's saying that like, um, you know, there's there's entire sexual relationships where it's like, if I could just figure out how to please this per mm -hmm. person perfectly, then that would be a true expression of love. And he's saying like, that's not exactly true is these actions that we do aren't um, as important. And I, I, th I thought that was interesting too. Just because it's like, you know, even if it's not sex, it's it's something else where it's like, you know, I'm just constantly like servicing and doing something for someone else and all these other things. It's not really like, it's not really the core of like what love is. It's more of like, that's just an action to like, you know, mediate a relationship. Yeah. And I think that kind of like segues nicely into the Brave New World thing where it's like, we're just, and I'm glad you referenced that because yeah, like, that was solid because I feel like we live in way more of a time where this is a brave new world dystopian rather than like a 1984, which everybody fears. Everybody yeah. always references George Orwell and 1984, and it's like, eh, we're actually more and yeah. so more in line with brave new world. Why do you think that is that everyone is it because we have to learn it in high school? Like, why does everyone quote yeah, it's 1984? more popularized, I guess, and yeah. and it is more quotable, I think. And I would say brave new brave new world is what goes wrong with liberalism. While I would say 1984 is really what goes wrong with conservatism. And so educators obviously lean more left than anything. So of course they're going to preach the pitfalls of a conservative authoritarian statement yeah. rather than a liberalistic, hedonistic world, which yeah. is kind of what they preach. But yeah, the, the Brave New World thing was, was, uh, that was a really good, like, bring up because I thought it just it just fit nicely with like the ethos of the book where mm -hmm. it's just like everyone everyone's happy nowadays like everyone's good nowadays and like um, we're slaves to our devices yeah and like thinking about that in the context of love is like um you know that that kind of hits home where it's like you know we are so comfortable and it is so easy to kind of please one another where it's like hey I got you the, the new this and that and like hey like I can make your life extremely comfortable but mm -hmm. it's like do we have are we itching that itch really you know and is there a spiritual thing going on mm -hmm. um that's why people be divorced and that's why in the uh the book we read last week with ethan hawk he, yeah you know he uh he wasn't filling his marriage anymore because it wasn't scratching that itch you yeah. know it wasn't what it was in the beginning and then he cheated on his wife yeah and like the the whole kind of um there's like a whole section of like all these different types of love and how it it like connects back to how someone um relates with their parent i was reading that section i was like i'm gonna skip i'm gonna read this fast this is too close to home like <laughs> you know <laughs> like there was parts there where i was just like, Ooh, like this is a little weird yeah. but i and that's why it's something to like this book especially is something to like kind of come back to and like mm -hmm. um you know just kind of carry with you I, I do have a question. Do you, is there anything that you, like, outrightedly, like, disagreed with in the book? Because I, f I found myself especially kind of, like, just, like, the obvious criticism of capitalism and, like, the, the I was just kind of like, okay, like, maybe he's missing the mark in my mind. But then I, I thought again, like, you know, from a psychological standpoint, like, on paper, communism and everything, it looks great. Yeah. Yeah. Did you disagree with anything? Um... I think I sped through it a little too fast to really criticize it and really have, like, yeah. an idea of, like, okay, actually, I don't think I believe what he's saying. Yeah. I think I read because I just read it once. I think uh, while reading it, I was just, like, soaking it all in, and I haven't really had time to 
be like, no, I don't, I don't agree with that. I don't yeah, no. That I th- I'm glad we took two weeks to read this book because then I could wait till last night to just cram it in <laughs> instead of last week's last night. <laughs> I did the same thing because we bought these books uh, right after yeah. our podcast, our first podcast two yeah. weeks ago, and then. We both kind of crammed it in. Well, it, it is short, so I just looked at it. I was like, this is going to be an exit little treat the day before. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, so, yeah, what's the book? 120 pages, 120 pages, and then a little bit about Eric Fromm. Mm. I didn't read the Eric Fromm bits. Not, I didn't either. not super interested in that, honestly. <laughs> um, would you read another book by him? Because he's got, I think, like, he's got some that are, like, the art of living and, like, the art of whatever. I would. Um... I would. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I have much more to say about that because it's like I'm a little indifferent about that question because it's like a part of me is like, yeah, The Art of Loving, great book. I think this book could be read pretty much by anybody. Mm. But at the same time, for me at least, uh, some older ideas that um, you could tell it's from 1950s. Yeah. Some older ideas. But it definitely holds up, I would say. I yeah. just contradicted what I said, but it definitely holds up. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it holds up in just, like, I mean, the note itself is kind of, like, a pillar. It's, like, the art of loving. Mm-hmm. It's, like, no other book can have this name now, so it's, like, this is the book about it. You yeah. know what I mean? So it's, like, just off that aspect. Yeah. Um, I would say this is probably your only self-help book you need for love. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure there's more, um, what is the word? Uh, instructive yeah banal instructive Mm. books out there that might be more palatable to the individual but I mean this is pretty much the only love book I would ever consider this one was very um like I said this one was very like psychoanalytical analytical so like there was there was those sections in it where I was kind of like okay okay like I didn't think it was going to be like that but then there's also like these sections where it's um like he's quoting poets all the time and doing all these other things um, but yeah, ultimately I liked it. Um, solid book, solid read. Uh, I will tell you this, the two, three, four days that I spent reading the book, I kept singing so many love songs in my head. Oh, really? <laughs> I kept oh, doing like, love, 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 let's play white tees, and then like, what is love? Baby, don't hurt me. And then, uh, what else? There's like another song I just kept on being like, love, love, love. <laughs> You know what's really weird? And I, 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 I wasn't sure if I was going to bring this up, but since you're bringing that up. Bring it up, baby. At, cer- at a certain point in the book, I started reading the book as Arnold Schwarzenegger. No joke. What? Why? I don't know. <laughs> like, I don't like, Yes. Okay. Like, never. <laughs> Dude, I promise you. It's just like, the voice in my head just switched to his voice, because for some reason. And Have you done that before with Arnold specifically? No, maybe, I don't know. You're like, no, actually, I read every book in Arnold Schwarzenegger's There was all, There was, like, one distinct section where all of a sudden it just was, like, I was reading it in his voice, and I, I don't know if it was because it was late at night or, like, if it was the language that was being used, but it was just, like, I don't know. I was like, I'm going to stop doing this before, like, I freak myself out with whatever, like, my subconscious is, like, trying to tell me or something. Isn't that weird that, like... You can read books in other people's voices. Oh, yeah. The whole time we read... The is that, norm- is that normal? Oh, 100%. I've never really talked about that with anybody. Is that normal? Yeah, Got I think so. Normal, right? I have, I, have, I have default reader voice. And then, like, 
especially like when something's set aside in like commas or like dashes, I like I totally switch the voice in my head into like a different voice. <laughs> well, I mean, and then there's lots of times where there's no voice where I'm just like it's just your voice, or I'm not sounding out words. I'm just like taking it in visually. Huh. Yeah, I haven't experienced that. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like the book we read last time, I read that all in Ethan Hawke's voice. Yeah, me too. Uh, and there's like, every time I read Jordan I Peterson. I think we talked about this. Jordan I didn't Peterson. even worry about like what the character name was. I was just like, yeah. That was Ethan Hawke. That was Ethan Hawke. Yeah. All right. Um, well, what did, it, what did it bring you to next week? What should we do next week? I don't know. I don't know. We haven't finished this podcast yet, so maybe we'll just wait for the last second. to Talk about it off pod. Maybe. Um, oh, we haven't even announced, like, uh, this is the Couple of Dudes cast. Oh, we are some LaDudes. We're some LaDudes. <laughs> this is the LaDude cast. All you dudes out there, we're just, you know, a yeah. couple of dudes casting. Here I was, thinking that we were doing great. And then we just, we, we just messed. hopped it. I think we've done great so far. Yeah. How do you like this pillow? Dude, it's soft. That's it's nice. genuine. Is it a cow? Yeah, my dad was so, so proud of that. a cow. Pet it. Pet it. I'm petting it. Doesn't it make you want to? For sure. I also, while reading this book, I thought a lot about rom-coms, because, like, I'm, I'm kind of a sucker for a good rom-com. I don't really... And I was like... Top top three rom-coms. That's what I was going to ask. I'm going to be like, what's your favorite rom-com? Um, I don't know too, too many, like, just romance movies. Mm. Or care for too many. Do you? Yeah, I know a lot, a lot actually. <laughs> do, you, do you like them? <laughs> let, me, let me go get my... <laughs> let me just go yeah, check um, on my DVDs. The one that's popping into my head is In Time. Oh, I guess that too. Right, is that is that a rom com? Oh yeah. Okay, so rom coms rom coms are great. I'm talking about like, do you know of any like pure romance movies? Pure. I think that's like only like girls watch. I shouldn't say that. I don't know what you mean. <laughs> Just like romance movies, because there's rom coms, and that's that's two genres put together. Do you know of just like a romance movie? That's good. Like, what do you mean? I don't know. Like, some parts are just oh, some parts are gonna have comedy in them. Um, I'm trying. Are you talking about as a rom? Are you talking about like old school classical, like uh, Audrey Hepburn? I don't know, man. Maybe they don't even exist. Romance movies. Type in romance movies. Let's see if we've seen any. Best romance movie. My favorite rom com. In time is such a good one. Uh, her. Her. Yeah, I that's love a romance movie. movie. Um. But my favorite rom-com would probably be, like, He's Just Not That Into You. You seen that? Uh, it's been with a long like, time. With, like, 12 different, like, Is that the really one with good actors? Or is that 12 Ways to Hate You or something? That's, yeah, that's something else. Yeah. This well, one is, we like... We both grew up with older sisters, so I think we've got our fair share. Yeah. Before all these dudes check off, they're like, Dude, they started talking about love and rom-coms. Um, <laughs> started talking about love. <laughs> started talking about love, bro. <laughs> Uh, Crazy Stupid Love. That's a really good one with Steve Carell. But that's a rom-com. I mean, like... Yeah, that's a rom-com. Yeah. Um, what other good rom-coms are out there? Twilight's a romance movie, right? Yeah. It's a teenager. Yeah, romance, romance fantasy. I would count it. Yeah, romance fantasy. Yeah. <laughs> See, I think when you start, like, getting into, like, you know, the different shades of Under the Same Umbrella... There's no book. There's no comedy in that. That's just pure romance. Yeah. Did you like another book? Yeah, I liked it. I liked it purely from like, uh, not purely, um, I was way too curious to see what the hype was about that I, I, I read the book and I watched the movie because <laughs> I was just like, 
I didn't want to be like some illiterate man who was like, you know, didn't understand these references or understand this like. Yeah. But I think, you know, I did it in high school and I very much had a chip on my shoulder about like, I'm, I'm an ex, I'm going to figure out like what, you know, I wanted out what women want. I wanted to talk to everyone on the book, so I read it. <laughs> not, not really. <laughs> so like. Uh, but that's probably the most popular romance movie, right? Yeah. Maybe it, for it, our age. I think it's the quintessential like, I'm going to cry into the ice cream, like, <laughs> book God, movie. Right. Is there any like new, like does anything come close to that? But now it's been like memeified. Like the what do you want? Yeah. Like <laughs> Broke Back Mountain. Another great bro I've never actually watched never that. Never <laughs> I feel like if it came out today I'd probably watch it, but it came out when We were kids. We were kids yeah. and you still said everything was gay. So. Yeah. Also it's been it's been a joke for too long. True. Um I will dig some How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. I actually just watched that recently with my friend Gina. Shout outs to Gina. She's not even going to yeah. listen to this. So, But I shouted you out, so I didn't have to. <laughs> this is about you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe we should do this like, shout out a bunch of random people oh, on yeah. our podcast and then just tell them later on. Be like, dude, I shouted you out. So then they have to listen oh, yeah. to the whole, like, kind of, I guess that's kind of kidnappy, isn't it? Yeah, do what you want, man. Do whatever pleases you. I thought about, like, the chapters in the book. It would be funny if, like, you assign them, like, names of your exes or, like, names of oh, yeah. Like, this was Clara. <laughs> she didn't love herself. Um, I think the the love movies I, love, I like the most are, um, I've talked to you about this before. I like Blue Valentine a lot. Um... Yeah, that's a good one. That, Ryan Gosling, the romance killer. Yeah, but I have a problem of, like, thinking in my head, because I guess whatever twisted, like, representation of love that I had, I was like, this is a love movie, this is great, and it's like... It's really a tragedy. <laughs> and I'm just like, I, I was like, oh, shit. Dude, I was broken after that movie. Yeah. Because you, you had recommended that movie to me maybe two months ago, and then I watched it, and I think I cried. Oh, yeah. That and was... I'll admit that on cam, I cried. Yeah, that that was that was a, that's a movie I've seen that a ton of times and like yeah. it didn't. I finally watched it like with someone, like with a girl. It ripped them in half, and, and they, were like, you? they were like, "Why are you showing this to me?" And I was just like, "Oh, uh, yeah, I hope it's okay." I also watched that with Gina. Shout out, and she she yeah she got really right, go ahead that. T- talk to Gina. No, we're done talking about Gina. American Beauty, that's a classic. Yeah, I really like that one too. I really like that. I don't know. Is that romance though? For the uh, that's some of that selfish love, that narcissistic stuff we were talking about in the book. Yeah, it would be kind of interesting to piece apart, um, you know, kind of a movie based off of what this book, you know, talked about. Mm -hmm. La La Land, that's classic. (sighs) Romance drama. Some of these aren't even romance. Good. Eternal Sunshine, Silver Linings Playbook. All of these are good. Those two are good. I was mainly looking at perks of being a wallflower. That's not. Is that really about love? It is. But you know what? I didn't realize. I didn't realize that that was about childhood trauma until later. Oh yeah. I didn't realize that because I read that in high school too, and I didn't. I actually just read and watched it, like last year in twenty twenty. Yeah. And so yeah, I, I was completely like reading the book. I was like, 
Yeah, oh, yeah. This I, hurts. I don't know my brain. I totally bypassed it and just was like, this is a coming of age, whatever. And then like as an adult, I did it again. I'm getting chills now. And I just, yeah, I just pulled. Because yeah, it, was, it was like an actual... Like, molest them? Yeah. Yeah, like once I read that, it, like it takes a whole... But the movie doesn't even really show it that like... No, it's very... They make it very much about like... It's subtle. Well, it's about his relationship with Hermione. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And, like, not to get into it too much about, you know, this kind of stuff, but, like, that is kind of what happens with childhood trauma based off of, like, kind of what I understand about you it. Suppress is like, it. Yeah, it, you suppress it. Yeah. You suppress it. You don't, you don't tie, you don't untie those knots, but they're there connecting, you know, all mm. of your, so, like, this. Oh, they, they make you who you are, for mm. sure. In one way or another, they definitely are always there. Yeah. In the dark. Um... What movie did I see that I wanted to bring up? 500 Days of Summer. Classic. Love some Zoe Deschanel and her big ol' anime eyes. <laughs> you think The Lobster? Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> a really good movie. That is really good. I really liked it. Yeah. That's one where you could write a paper on. You know? I actually, so this director, he also came out with another movie that I actually prefer way more than The Lobster called... One second. I need a Jamie to pull stuff up. Well, anyways, this guy, you, how do you say that? Yorgos Lanthimos. Yorgos Lanthimos. Oh, The Killing of a Sacred Deer. I didn't even have to look it up. Uh, way better movie, I think, than The Lobster. And it's mm. in that same kind. Have you seen it? I haven't seen it. It's the same kind of style where it's just like, what the heck is going on in this world? Like, he, he can create some really abstract yeah. dystopians. Well, what's fascinating about that, and, like, I think it's really, like, uh, telling in the cover art for The Lobster, is that he, like, takes, he takes something about life, and instead of, like, trying to explain it or adding um, or embellishing or something like that, he, he removes things away. He removes things from life away to and exaggerates like really small, like yeah. Rudimentary so he things. he keeps everything. He keeps all the mundane things very under undertone and very normal. But he removes things to accentuate them. So it's kind of like a way of like exaggerating uh, by removal. Yeah. Right. So it's like you know, in this room, if we took out every single thing except this laptop and table, it's like the laptop and table in it of itself isn't like exaggerated. But it's like, if you take all the other furniture out and just leave that there, it is exaggerated. Oh, yeah. I'd probably be really weirded out if I went to somebody's house and they just had a room with, like, a stool. <laughs> just one stool. Nothing on the walls. <laughs> nothing else. Maybe the whole white room and there's just, like, a stool in the center. Have a seat. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm going to leave because you're a murderer. Um... <laughs> Well, dang, so that that was my last little... Oh, uh, did you ever watch uh, The Shape of Water? Oh my gosh, who's in that? Uh, have, you, have you seen it? I think I have. It won, like, some Oscars and stuff. And oh, yeah, that's, some, that's the one with the, with the merman. Yeah. Dude, the merman. Like the merman from uh, Hellboy. That movie is amazing. <laughs> I never watched it. Dude, this movie is amazing. It's about a woman who falls in love with the fish. This movie is amazing. Saw this in theaters. Um, yeah, love that movie, Shape of Water. Is it is it a solid romance movie? Solid romance movie, but classic. it's also like sci-fi, right? Sci-fi. It's not about a woman that falls in love with a fish. I mean, kind of, but not really. No, it is. 
Bonaparte. <laughs> <Bonaparte. laughs> really? No, it, that's a great movie. Wow, I'm glad you brought that up because I want to watch that again. I should probably watch it. Period. But yeah, because yeah, it won. It won like best yeah, role yeah, it was, that year. It was right? really good. I remember watching that. Um, Kelly and I actually watched that in the theater. That was, hmm. that was solid. So should we review a book or should we watch a movie? I'm I'm more into books on the pot podcast but i'm down to i'm down to do a double assignment a duble and see how things sort of relate to each other Mm. but i think we should get together every wednesday and then maybe next wednesday it doesn't necessarily have to be a book because it it does take i guess about two weeks to it does and it doesn't i just need i need to be more disciplined in like how i'm allotting my time Mm -hmm. um because like this book i read it in one night so it's like you know i I, got it it's 120 that's true but like there's lots of books that are um I mean, yeah, so we can find a book that's in a week or a week or two, it doesn't matter. Okay, so let's see, let's see what we've discussed. We've discussed love. Mm-hmm. We've discussed rom-coms. We've discussed just movies in general, romance movies in general. Is there anything, any direction that you could see yourself going in based off yeah, of Yeah, I'm trying to think of like the, the web. So we went from a bright ray of darkness, talking about divorce and like, okay, that makes us want to think about love. So we... We read The Art of Loving. So, what is this making me think of? Um, it's kind of making me want to, br- like, take a big branch out. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of making so, me want to... Yeah, because very, we love is extremely yeah. honed in, I specific. Think I, I think I would like to take a branch out into, like... Um, Let's go the opposite way. Let's go hate. Ooh. Continue? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's just coming to me. Uh, I was thinking something like... Um, like some sort of traveling like i want to read like an adventure like a memoir of someone who's maybe had a crazy life like a guy like henry rollins i don't know if he has a memoir or or... well why can't we have our cake and eat it too why can't we find somebody that is find a book about maybe anger or hate and maybe he goes and gets away and travels yeah let's let's what is that (laughs) where's that book at yeah i would love to do something like that um Because, you know, that is a theme, right? It's like, I'm so angry or I'm running away from something, I'm mad, Mm. so I leave. Yeah, and rhythmically it would be good because we did fiction, we did kind of like... um, Non-fiction. Non-fiction, but it was more of like a kind of like self-help, instructive, kind of textbooky thing. And so, like, the next thing we could go into is more of, like, a nonfiction, not a biography or biography or something. In her new book, Arthur's Helicon. Um. Ooh, there's a daisy on the cover. Boy, the opposite of hate. A field guide to repairing our humanity. The author who went around the world to discover how travel can heal hate. What did, it, what did it get on Goodreads? Let's go and check out this review. I'm so hesitant. <laughs> I have a few like reviewers that are. Um, it's like Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> right. But I, I can't trust Rotten Tomatoes. What? I, I trust it with my life. I trust like. Oh, no, I trust thing. like not crit- the critics. I trust the audience score mm. on Rotten Tomato. These days I feel like it is skewed a little bit. Ugh. Why do I just hit a button? The opposite of hate. It's a pretty cheap book. Not voting well. On Audible, got a four point six out of five. 
on Goodreads a three point nine out of five. That's so how do you choose? Right. How do you question? How do you choose to read a book? Like what? What gets you? Um, I don't read a lot of fiction. so yeah. you're probably asking the wrong person. Nonfiction, so just whatever interests me and stuff. For me, and uh, maybe people might find this in, like an interesting way to kind of like shop for books. One for sure, judge a book by a cover. I always have, always will. Literally, literally, literally. Like right. I like if I like the way that looks, that's like a big plus for me. Mm -hmm. um, because I just like collecting them. Even sure. if I don't they gotta them. look good. I like um, this color of this book. Yeah, this is a nice really. book. But second to that, like when I start like researching the book and deciding if I want to read it, I always go and look at the quotes of the author. Hundred percent. I just look at every single quote that this person has, and if I like the quotes, then I read the book, and I kind of treat it as like Easter eggs. And like once I find that quote that I liked, I'm like, oh yeah, I like found it, and it kind of like pushes you through a little bit. I guess I will say like, I'll look it up on Amazon, then I'll go to the reviews, the uh, like, the people that have read it reviews. Yeah, it's hard for me to trust critics. Yeah, I feel like they all have. Well, they're getting paid for that, so it's just like with mm -hmm. movies, books. Screw some critics. I'm kind of... Can you type in, like, um, memoirs? I'm kind of leaning towards, like, a memoir of someone. I don't know why. On travel? Yeah, like, someone who's just had a really adventurous, cool life. Um, and, like, trying to, like, maybe read in a memoir. Anthony Bourdain? That would be a nice one. What is that? A cook's tour? Mm, that's more about Shh. cooking. <laughs> yeah, obviously. <laughs> obviously. Huh. A move was <clears throat> good. Silence, silence, silence. Anyway, we can we can come up with this and we'll figure it out. We'll be back. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. I mean, we're at fifty-eight minutes. Should we start wrapping this up? Yeah, closing closing thoughts on the art of loving, Austin. I think. It's a book for everybody. I think everybody should give it a go. And then it's one of those books that you're going to read and then you're going to need to reread it and then reread it again. Um, I would give it... I'd give it... Four hearts out of five. Oh. Nice. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking in my head like something stupid. Like <laughs> your four hearts out of five. Four hearts out of five. Um, yeah, I, I agree. I think... Anyone can read this. I, th I, I told someone earlier, I was like, I wish I had read this sooner. Mm -hmm. um, but would you have appreciated it no, if you read it earlier that's, in life? That's another, that's an, I needed, yeah. like, I think I needed a set of experiences to right. kind of like, like a base set of assumptions to like enter it this with. Because I'm I, sure we'll re like appreciate it even, like maybe in a different way yeah. or not, maybe not even more, but in a different way, given another 10 years. As, as I was reading it, I was like, you know, had I had read this earlier, um, I have a tendency, and I think this is a common thing, so I'm not, like, talking shit about myself, but, like, I have a tendency, like, after I finish a book or so, after I learn something, to kind of, like, be up on my perch and be like, haha, like, now I know this. <laughs> and, like, I think I would have done that really hard with this book and not practiced any of mm -hmm. the teachings, but yeah. I would have... You fools oh, know nothing about love. <laughs> this is something that I did want to bring up in talking about the love of God thing, is how in Western societies it's all about thinking the right way. Versus, like, in Eastern societies, it's about actioning it's the right way. Action. And, like, that's that's something that, like, I'm glad I read it when I did. Because had I read this earlier, I would have I would have been like, oh, I know all the things about love. But, like, I wouldn't have been able to have well, a discipline or concentration to action them. Yeah, I think the biggest theme of this book is that love is not a noun. Yeah. Love is a verb. Yeah. 
I think I'll give it four hearts out of five, too. Four and I'll give you five hearts out of five. Ooh. No, you stop it. <laughs> Just kidding. Okay, well, we'll be back yeah. next week. Yeah. All right, thanks for tuning in to the Couple of Dudes cast. Yeah. Oh, we have to figure out if it's La Dude cast or La Dudes cast, by the way, because mm-hmm. our email and our Instagram is all with the ass. Yeah, it's La Dudes, and then there's La Dude. Um, we'll sign off, and uh, you guys will see what we ended up deciding. Yeah, take care, dudes. Thank you.